2: Hi, this is Sam Bernard. I was the original writer of Rad, and I'm on $2 late feed with Zach and Dustin.
0: Come listen. Before there was IMDb.com, there was Zach and Dustin. You know those guys who think they know everything about a movie without having to go on the internet to look it up? That's us, but...
1: dustin is there thunder in your heart
0: there is thunder in my heart and in my butt <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a personal problem i blame the lentils <laughs> no i didn't eat, i i didn't eat any lentils today to be honest
1: i had mung beans tonight so yeah oh yeah
0: i like i really love mung beans do you really well yeah because mung we, i mean we call them mung beans in america i guess right that's that's the american version of it but um the mung bean is is the basis of the ayurvedic foundation and what's called uh the the kitchery meal which is very basic but it's it's based in a mung bean and a mung bean is so good for you for for so many reasons
1: i I didn't know that well
0: so you should feel good about about having that i feel fabulous now it's great for um I, i couldn't even list all the things off the top of my head because it's so extensive
1: well, I would say maybe the mung bean is good for um, BMX racing, uh, avoiding bullies in a high school, all sorts of other shenanigans that involve today's guest on our show.
0: I appreciate that you brought it back, but but of course, once the seed was planted, so to speak, I, I now I need to I needed to just kind of look up all of them, you know, because now the listeners might be interested in like if you're if you're out there and you're maybe unsatisfied in your diet and you're looking for something that that's gonna really help you. Uh, Mung beans. Okay. This is just the, this is just the headlines here. They protect against heat stroke. They aid digestive health. They promote weight loss. They lower bad, bad LDL cholesterol, blood pressure. They regulate blood sugar levels. Excellent source of B9 folate. Good, good for the liver, potassium, copper, magnesium. I mean, on and on, but listen, there's nothing, there's nothing bad about them. So Uh, So if that means anything to anybody, if somebody's listening to this and they go, you know, oh, man, I, uh, you know, I've been feeling a little sluggish. Try the mung bean. Introduce it. Real easy to prepare.
1: I think this is a perfect example of what you're going to get in today's episode because (laughs) uh, it's a surprise. I don't think any of you listeners expected to get a little bit of backstory on mung beans. Mm -mm. And you're going to get a surprise with today's guest, Sam Bernard, the writer of... Two films that we thoroughly enjoy. One specifically Rad, the other one 315, The Moment of Truth. We covered Rad a little while back. Episodes 54 and 55 to be exact. We covered those movies, we interviewed Bill Allen, and then fast forward a couple months later, we're interviewing Luca Bercovici. We had a great interview with him, and he messaged us soon after and said, you should get my buddy Sam on your show, because he's a fan of $2 Late Fee, Uh, He's got a connection to Rad, a big one, in the fact that he wrote it. Mm -hmm. And here we are. We got him on the show finally, made all the uh, stars aligned, so to speak. And here he is for you guys and your listening pleasure. And uh, Sam was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, he was. I mean, this is a really interesting episode because it's the first episode where a guest listened to our previous episode and basically came with uh what's the phrase came with receipts i mean that's not quite that's not quite the phrase but but sam came with with some very specific notes for us
1: this is the first time this has ever happened it made me feel really good because i'm like hey someone we're interviewing that we're a fan of actually listened to our show for once so thank you (laughs) yes
0: listened to the show and then and then you know had had a lot more to explain you know, open up to expound upon.
1: Well, his journey uh, of how he became a screenwriter in Hollywood, some of the projects he's worked on, um, had a, a very interesting kind of uh, genesis. And man, he's a great storyteller. He 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 rattled off some some stories with us that kind of made my jaw drop at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, specifically about someone who uh, used to be a head honcho in Hollywood so to speak
0: I just really enjoyed breaking things down very in depth with the people that did it I think it's our first time where we kind of you know there was some some dissection a lot of times we bring bring things up and and our guests they don't remember them
1: well specifically rad he is is a very near and dear film to him and he talks about why and you'll hear that whole story and more I also want to point out we did a two dollars six questions with Sam that was very fun, uh, rapid fire, fast paced, and uh, that if you're not a Patreon, you should definitely check that out because it's a lot of fun and it's worth listening to.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, and then the other thing that's really cool about this is that uh, you mentioned Luca and that that Sam and Luca have known each other for just like they grew up together basically.
1: Yeah, they've been buddies since they were in high school or maybe Which even before that. Which
0: is very cool, too. Um, and we're big fans of, like, those friendships uh, where guests have formed friendships early on and those friendships have grown and lasted. You know, like Matt Adler and John Philbin and Dean Cameron and Richard Horvitz and Stuart Fracken. I just... I, I love I love when, when, when the guys that kind of... Uh, trigger our nostalgia are actually genuinely friends
1: yeah i feel the same way and sam uh was a great guest to have on the show i think you guys are going to enjoy it immensely just a little side note again uh, episodes 54 and 55 of our show there are specific links in our show notes to those direct episodes that way you don't have to comb through the whole website uh, to go back to them if you if you don't want to. If you do want to, that would make us feel good too, because, hey, we got a lot of great content on our podcast <laughs> that maybe you haven't listened to yet. So uh, for all you new listeners out there, and for all of you repeat listeners who like to re-listen to our shows, go back and revisit those two episodes if you want to. There you go. And then dig into Sam Bernard.
0: Just one more thing that I want to say uh just as a follow up I think it I think it will be helpful as a listener to list, to reference those episodes. It'll just keep you on the same page. But also uh another thing to to just kind of follow up on is that this month we released uh Tales from the Video Store out into the world um with our vidiots episode which is the uh the previous episode to this one and um really want to recommend everybody check that out. Patreon exclusive Tales from the Video Store is now kind of out in the world as a sampler. So if you like what you hear with the founders of Vidiots, you can then subscribe to the Patreon for just $2, guys. It's like, you know, it's less than a latte, Uh, less than a pack of gum, less than a pack of cigarettes, less than a pack of...
1: Less than two packs of Lemonheads.
0: I mean, there you go. The point is, it's just cheap. Um, And like the title of the podcast, $2 Late Fee, I want my $2... You get the idea. So you get $2 and you get Tales from the Video Store. And, uh, and, and then, of course, you can also be a guest on the show with us.
1: Well, picture us being the kid in, in Better Off Dead and saying, we want our $2. We want your $2. <laughs> we want your $2. So, uh, you know, consider it. Consider it and consider being on the show. You know you love us. You know you want more of us. You're going to get a whole lot more of us if you subscribe to us.
0: That's uh, what you said on your wedding night, I believe.
1: True. Yep. And 10 years later, I'm still married. There you go. Happy anniversary to you. Thank you. And Kristen. Enjoy Sam Bernard and go balls out. Sam Bernard, it's a pleasure to have you on $2 Late Fee. Oh, thank you. In all honesty, I adore your your podcast.
2: It's my time. It's from when I was, you know, busy and being a complete idiot in the movie business and, um i told you where i live right across the street there's a habit there now if you know that right so so right so what used to be there was a warehouse
1: like the music store right
0: yeah yeah
2: Yeah, well right and i used to rent videos there all the time and it looks literally like 90 feet away and i was always paying late fees I just, for some reason, I mean, you know, I couldn't, I just couldn't, you know, I mean, I would actually sometimes just drive over there I and mean, then 90 feet away. It just would be, it's a, but I spent an awful lot of time in there, in that store and,
1: and, and paid a lot,
2: of, a lot of late fees.
1: From what I remember, Warehouse was notorious for jacking their late fees up. They were pretty pricey.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, you know, I, I didn't really do Blockbuster until after, until later on, until I realized that there was more selection there, you know, and, um, but because I, I mean it was so close, I mean it was easy to walk over there and get a t- I Remember, <laughs> like the like when I first saw the name of your podcast, I'm going, you know, that's what I did every time.
0: Who <laughs> was
2: paying late fees all the time, you know? And had it not been so close, I probably would have been more, you know, diligent about it,
1: right? Well, <laughs> you know? I think you are one of our first uh, guests on our show that has acknowledged those late fees that they had to pay because we're always, oftentimes, we're asking our guests, did you did you have to pay a late fee? And the I don't. I don't think so.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that was uh, decades ago, <laughs> right? I you, you know, I mean, that, but they were there, and like, you know, God, my goodness, and having, you know, gotten more involved, especially in the '90s when the home video market, you know, really—I mean, it, it was big in the '80s, but it, you know, it was it was new, and it was no one knew what was to come, no, really, and uh, you know, every, and it, every everything was very confused, but in the '90s. It, you know it matured and and so you became sophisticated about a little bit more hopefully about the business and how it worked and how how much money those stores were making right you know and you know as opposed to you know you know what they would get back what the studios would get back the stores had all the power yes I mean they had all the power they could you know they could do what they wanted. They could charge what they wanted, and you know, I mean, you know, tapes were about one hundred and nine dollars, right? Back, you know, very expensive.
1: Mm-hmm. We just had the people behind Vidiotz on our show, and I love Vidiotz. I love Vidiotz. It was such a great store. It, well, it's coming back. It's coming back to the Eagle Rock location. They obviously they had to move, okay. and but uh, it is coming back. And Vidiotz, uh, they both owners talked about the fact that um, you know physical media is so important. Uh, because so much of the digital media is changing, you know, and, and, yeah. and you're not and you're not able to find um, a lot of these movies that we loved from the 80s out there today, you know, on a digital platform. Yeah,
2: And it's becoming harder for some, it's becoming harder because it's just, you know, the business has become, you know, more cluttered and, you know, with new stuff. And so it was, you know, a few years ago, it was there was a quite a demand. And, and I mean, I've had, I've had some problems. These, these weren't, these were 90 movies. um, But uh, like, like movie I did with Luca and, you know, called Dark Tide. And then we were like, Luca Bercovici
0: for, for the audience. Yep.
2: Luca Bercovici. um, And, and, and another one I did called Payback. um, uh, That was with uh, Tommy Howell and Joan Severance. Yep. I mean, we, we sort of sat on it sat on them thought maybe they would have some because we own them we don't they were self-financed and 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 we you know we kind of made a mistake there because now they're you know their value has for some we thought that their value could only go up Mm. and it's not happening that way because there's so much new content now probably it will probably circle back you know but it is very hard to find you know i mean i was looking for movies um this you know I, I i love the you know the movies there was a great eve simino movie from i you guys gotta know this where where this uh it was a um an armored truck driver gets stuck in the back of his his, you know his truck and they take you know be and and, and the truck is raw is it's a frenchman the truck is hijacked and taken to a garage and this guy who has no really skin in the game just decides he's gonna fight these guys through the holes and never let them and their whole plan goes through. it's an awesome movie it was uh, i i'll get you guys the name of it yeah, i please. don't have it it's a french it a french, french movie. movie it was made in the 80s it was uh all french but it, you know at tapestry we wanted i wanted to remake it and we pursued it and this was in french are very difficult to deal with it. like, <laughs> um the, the french film business it's very very you know it's i mean i'll come right out and say it's very snobbish and you know and it was and and whatever we pursued you know we just it just i remembered the very frustrating experience because we said this is a great movie to remake in english you know and you and, know and remake it in america because it's it's die hard in a in an armored car mm-hmm. it's brilliant sounds fantastic and, and they made a brilliant movie no doubt about it there was no way we were going to improve it but we would have <laughs> made a version of, of it because it was really good and i i i, I say that in all honesty yeah. because like it, it was a great movie. And, you know, I didn't think, you know, I I didn't think it would be as good as in English, but it didn't matter. We thought it was just could be a very appealing. And it was completely, you know, based on on, on business. Yeah. You know, and, Maybe that was the, so the I, problem
0: with the pitch, because you're like, we're, we, we want the rights, but we're not going to do it as good. Well, <laughs> that, that wasn't the pitch. That was <laughs> the pitch
2: was we're, the pitches were going to give you honor and respect oh, right. and all yes. that. You and listen, a French company came to us about payback. I don't know if you guys ever saw that one. I've seen was,
1: payback quite a few times, actually.
2: Okay, so they so that's very you know. There's a lot of appeal to French, and they wanted to do the guys who were doing Emily the show, Emily and Paris. You know, yeah. they yeah. they came to us and and. Um, you know they wanted it for free though it was like well you know one i'm a writer's guild member and no, i can't do right. that and two you know i own it with two other guys who are you know who are you know which is robert levy and peter abrams and and we, you know we own the movie and they're not gonna you no. know they're not gonna get anything from the you know so um they're hard to deal with but um uh anyway that i gotta get you guys the name of that movie yeah please, um, please do it, it, it's it's really good it's so hard to find um you know it was in the days when they were making like diva and monsieur
1: hair D- D- diva diva yeah. is one, Diva's one of my favorite uh french noir Diva's films
2: a, it's a brilliant film yeah, and french just, New Wave. it's like so yeah yeah exactly it was like it i mean that movie would be hold up today i mean oh yeah it really would. yeah no no yeah. no
1: doubt no doubt and and i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure we could uh have a whole discussion on these movies that people need to see that maybe haven't been haven't been seen yeah but you know i want to back up a little bit uh, you briefly mentioned luca bercovici luca obviously is a friend of the show we've had him on the show yeah, well, he's the reason why you're here but we want to talk about you Okay. Because uh, Luke is like, you got to get Sam on the show. And we're like, okay, let's do it. And finally, you're here. Yeah,
2: I'm thrilled,
0: too. It's great to have you.
1: You're responsible for, um, the, first of all, Rad, which we had Bill Allen on the show talking about Rad. But before we get into Rad... Still,
2: still a very close friend of mine. I talk to him probably once a week. That's fantastic. Just so you know, we're very close. On the
0: phone? At- no one talks talk, on the no, phone anymore. Anyway. And we
2: have lunch. I mean, I don't like. I don't want to go to rock but he comes to Santa Monica, <laughs> and we have lunch. At least, you know, we, if we don't talk, we'll have lunch once, you know, once, you know, once a month. Yeah, Bill is great. I mean, I love Bill, and we, you know, we have this connection from that movie that, and and it was it it, it just maintained. You know, it's just, it's just amazing how that's you know incredible. he's a great guy. You know, and you know
1: that's he, fantastic to hear that you guys still have that relationship.
2: Two of my all two of my oldest and closest friends have been on your, you know, your show. So I'm like thrilled to be here.
1: Oh, right on. Well, we're, we're equally happy and thrilled to have you as well. And, and, but we want to, you know, you, uh, got into this business at a very early age, right? Like, so pretty early, pretty early in my early twenties. Yeah. I mean, that's early. Okay. Yeah.
2: That's early. I, I mean, I got, I fell into it sort of. It's not, wasn't like I mean, I was very much, you know, a product of the 70s, you know, and, um, you know, there was the Vietnam War and protests. And this, that's when I, you know, was, that's when I was high school and It was like, you know, the fear of being drafted and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and so, I, you know, I was just kind of a, you know, a screw around. I didn't like school too much. And however, I did go to my father was an actor and he got moved here and we moved. He he came out here to do because he was he had done twenty two Broadway plays and done some movies. He was in Judgment at Nuremberg and mm. and he did a and he did a movie called Murder Incorporated, which got him very you know which is an, a great film. Um and and so they moved him out here. He came out here to do a movie called Ice Station Zebra, and mm. um which is also really would be a great remake. I keep, saying. but um, <laughs> uh, I mean it was not a good movie, but the premise was awesome. So um. The, uh so we moved out here and uh you know basically a friend of his had us who was an actor had a second house in the flats of beverly hills so we moved into that for a while and i ended up going to beverly hills high school and um to be honest so let me so we'll tell you this the first real script i wrote was about my time at beverly hills high school it was around the time risky business um w- was out and not that that was actually the inspiration, but you know, you, you get—you know—it's it, infectious, right? Especially if you're young and you're hungry and you're—and—and and, and you have this desire. I, I had been working as a production assistant, and then you know, it was so obvious to me that in those days, this—the writers had the power. They were still, as my agent said, the pimples on the uh, on the ass of the world, but they still <laughs> oh had God. the power. Everything was story-driven. Everything had to be... They each studio was developing three to six hundred scripts a year. Can you believe that? Like insane if you're lucky if there's a hundred developed of, of mm-hmm. original stuff. Crazy. Now it's very different. I mean, obviously, with the streamers, it's coming around because, the, you know, and which is which is a great thing, yes. you know, I mean, original stuff is now coming back around, but it's still very hard. They're still looking for whoever had the last hit, you know, so I mean, that's sort of right. Thing. right. So so actually, my first thing that I really got well, there were two things. I mean, I worked for um, Lucas' father, Eric, who had done *Shogun*, and he, Lucas' father, was a mentor to me. I mean, he, I would, I would be sitting there because we were such good friends as kids. I was friends with him and his Luke and his brother. We were all in a, so I loved talking to Eric. And he actually hired me. He had a after he did *Shogun*, he got a great deal, and he, you know, he put me in an office, and and and. and I had these two ideas for movies, none of which I was going to write. Actually, one was 315 mm. and and I found someone who would, was willing to develop the idea. And I talked to this friend of mine who was a writer named Michael Jacobs, and we ended up writing it ourselves. And the other one I had was called Baby Bucks, and it was my about my time at Beverly Hills High School. And that was really my passion project because it was about it was about like a kid. A fish out of water who comes to Beverly Hills and needs to, needs to find the money, you know, to, uh, to just to exist in that world. Yeah. which is an inflated world, it was, you know. Um, totally. It's, uh, I, I, you know, and and uh, and so he starts gambling casinos, which is what friends of mine and I were involved. We started blackjack games, very, you know, and so I wrote a script about that and sold it immediately to Warner Brothers, um, and that really was the launch of my career uh unfortunately mark rosenberg who was president of warner brothers at the time who was a legendary figure was president of the sds with students from the democratic society which was a 60s like you know activist group you know the accused of abby hoffman all those mm-hmm. people were mm-hmm. part of that group yeah and mark was it was mark mark loved the project um and and i mean i, I just there was an opening scene it's a it's a comedy it was oh, attempted to be a comedy the opening scene was of a trap meet and these guys who had done laxative filled cocaine in order to boost them and they end up shitting all over the track and so that's the <laughs> opening scene and so mark rosenberg actually brings me into an office wow. the executive said mark wants to meet you they had already bought it he had never you know he had approved it and yeah. so he looks at me and he goes you know that opening scene is the funniest opening scene I've ever he's just hmm. fat guy with big beard and he's eating his lunch and there's all kinds of crap in his beard and and I remember and I was intimidated because he was he was such a massive figure I mean physically and in the business (laughs) and he's sitting there and he looks at me and and I'll never this moment I can't ever forget is that he said yeah I read your your script he says that was the funniest opening scene I've ever read he goes the rest of it sucks Mm go back and fix it, it's, it's, <laughs> fix it. <laughs> i mean it was fine it was like i mean it was definitely uh it was definitely an approval there you know okay. um you know it wasn't like because it was a first draft yeah and you know you know so okay that was and unfortunately mark died before we finished the second draft because he was it was only 30 or 33 or something Whoa. like that and he, he had high stress i mean he was a screamer yikes I mean, he really screamed it at me. So you know, and I'm 22, 24, something like that. Wow. You know, I don't know what I, you know, and I'm like sitting here before this guy who had already approved the script, and they bought it, and then you know, so I'm in there. Unfortunately, he passed away. And they were and he got replaced by, by someone else and they put the oh, script and turn around man and and so it I don't even know where I don't even have a copy today but oh, no. it would be nice I, I could find it it was it, I you know did the rewrite you know did our due diligence but there was no champion behind it at that point and that's very important in the business is that if you don't have someone championing your story in especially in those days in the studio system you you're dead in the water. Basically.
1: And, and so, baby bucks. Unfortunately, it's just in the
2: ether someplace. I have you no. Know, but you
1: were able to. But you said you had two scripts at the same time. You had three fifteen. Moment of truth. Yeah,
2: three fifteen. Yeah, three fifteen was was something that we ended up like like I was going to hire this guy, Michael Jacobs, be, through a, another company. Decided just you know what, let's just write it. And so Michael and I sat down and we pounded out a draft, and we got it out there, and we got. To, you know we got it out to a few people we knew in those days you kind of knew where to go it was a i mean i think i had i think i had an agent at that time but i wasn't i wasn't you know i think it was more like we were just going to the people we knew that we could we had offers and meet pretty quickly on that we made we actually made some money on it and then the options expired and then ended up in sort of a thing and there was a uh, <laughs> there was a one situation which was i'll just tell you so sean Cunningham, got hold of the script and said i want to i want to do something like this but i don't want to do this oh okay boy
1: you telling mm. me he made new kids
2: because of right that? right so exactly wow i mean you, you yeah. know this it's amazing when i hear that because who, who knows this story we actually went in through like um like like my good friend Randy Feldman, you know, who you know had done Tango and Cash, and he did mm. Metro, and you know he was a writer, and 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 him and Dennis, his brother Dennis, did um, the great that great horror series um, with Nastasha with uh, Species. Yes, yes. Dennis Feldman did. Yeah. So it was Dennis and Randy who actually got it to Sean Cunningham, and uh, he said, "I want to do this, and we're going to pay you, like." Uh, I I forgot how they put it, but it was like morality money, right? Good morality money. They offered us (laughs) us money, something like a lot of money for the time, like $30,000 or something like that. And at the same time, we had offers to make the movie. And so I remember speaking to a lawyer saying, well, he goes, and I go, well, can they just take this? And he goes, well, if your movie gets made, then there's really no damages. And then, you know, and then what are you gonna do? Pay all this money, right? So we said, no and got the movie made for far less money (laughs) than Mm. we would have gotten had we done that and sean went ahead and made his movie anyway which was new kids um I, i i i give him all the credit i really do i like i can't i can't i mean they you know obviously maybe it was because of the feldmans or something like that and they you know they were really because you know dennis and randy were very hot writers coming up and and producers and so i think that was the thing but so that was you know that was the and 315 we got made and a guy named uh, sandy Kleiman um came aboard as an ex. you know he had a small company and you know wrote the check you know and um (laughs) made the movie and my agent at the time, was a guy named Ken Gross, and his brother was Larry Gross. Oh, so uh-huh. they want so so they wanted. It was always talked about. This is a great script for a young Walter Hill, right? And Walter Hill was my hero, as I told you. Was, uh, yeah, I mean, just I, you know, I love Walter Hill. And you know and we I do mean, anything, yep. anything he does, bad or good, I love. Um, you know, because yeah. he made some bad movies, he, you did, know, but he, he made did, Great yeah. movies, you know. Um, and so walter came on as you know you know as larry's you know larry was his protege and walter came on as an uncredited executive producer for
1: 315.
2: And, yes and i i got this and he came to the screenings You know, he came to see the cuts and give notes. And that was basically his, you know, thing. And 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 everyone was going to listen to him because here we are doing this, like, you know, very cheap movie and you get a, uh, you know, a great guy like Walter at the time was very hot, you know, and uh, and I got to sit and talk to him. So I, you know, it was was, which was such a treat. No one ever stood up to the Cobras and Jeff
3: Hanna was one of their best.
0: You and me, we get Picasso.
3: Like brothers, they fought, side by side. And Hannah even enjoyed it for a while.
0: Hey, it's enough. We won. I'm gonna hurt him.
3: Now, it took all the courage he had to stop fighting. Don't walk on me, bro! Now, what would it take to survive the most dangerous time of his life? A time of vengeance.
1: Cinco says you're a dead man.
3: Deception.
1: Cinco's word against mine and I got a damn
3: good reason to lie. A time of truth. If you're trying to scare me, you're doing a terrific job. I don't want to scare you. I just want you to know how things stand. It begins at 3.15. Hold it
2: right there, gentlemen. Time to die, Anna.
3: 3.15. He turned his back on the gang. <laughs> Now he's the only one who stands in their way. Ah! It begins at three fifteen, if it's ever going to end. Three fifteen.
1: I will tell you, three fifteen is is. I, I like to call them teens in peril movies. Um yeah. You know, there's there's <laughs> a there's a it's like a subgenre that I'm a huge fan of. A tough turf would be one new kids
2: i love tough turf. ninth class of whatever class of 1984 84. yep yeah yeah and, and yeah and, they were all lumped together yeah. you know you know they were all you know that was a genre for sure i'm not you know i mean uh 315 came about because <laughs> because uh, this was again lucas father uh, eric I had not written, I had written one script, I had written some some television ideas or something, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't really writing screenplays. So, uh, you know, I asked Eric, who was a seasoned writer, had done some, you know, huge things, you know, great movie called Hell in the Pacific. Oh, yeah. um, you know, that was Luca's father. And just, you know, he, he did a lot of stuff and he was, you know, and he had this great deal. He had done Shogun and Noble House. And, and, and I, you know, and I was, I was his boy. I had an office and I go, I, I, and I actually found a project for him called The Gold Crew, which he did as a TV movie. Um, but I said to him, so I, you know, what do you do, Eric? You know, I mean, cause I really was curious, you know, I was very young and he said, you know, you basically just, find you know find your favorite story favorite movie and just put different clothes on it right mm, so I was like okay. I had been mm. to a I had been to like a summer film class of some kind somewhere and <laughs> they had shown some classic movies and that's where I fell in love with high noon and I fell in love with that story totally. the existential the, the existentialism. so as soon as he said that I go well high noon in an urban mm-hmm. high school sounds like exactly the thing he's talking about yep, because yep. That, and that's and that's what we did unfortunately you know three o'clock high was made you know and it always gets confused
0: right very different very different different it's a
2: different movie yeah it's a different movie you know so but i mean you know so that's but that was the genesis of 315. you know sean cunningham didn't do that story no i mean he he did did some um, aberration of that story
1: <laughs> he know? did he, he took you know it, it's i guess um i don't want to call it formulaic but there's this the idea of like a, a teen gang right and, and yeah and so yeah. you can have your different stories in there and 315 is unique in the sense like adam baldwin was um not you know he was in my bodyguard obviously but he wasn't this for this kind of star vehicle for him I hadn't seen anything like this when I saw it as a kid. I remember renting this movie when I was a kid. And then it got re-released on Blu-ray about a couple of years ago, maybe about a year ago. Did it really? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should maybe get some residuals for that probably. Maybe. Um, maybe. But I introduced it to Dustin. I told Dustin about it on on the other podcast I do, Podcasting After Dark. I broke it down scene right. by scene, you know, and, uh, and so I paid a lot of love to it. A lot of love went to Wings Hauser being in it for half a second. Oh, he was
2: great. Well, I mean, Wings was great. Well, that whole experience was really, really, I mean, it was tense because it was really hard to get that movie to just to do it for the money that was allocated towards it. And uh, honestly, Larry was probably in over his head, but he did it. You know, he found his way through it. Um, he was great, too, in that he only rewrote things that he was passionately thought that needed to be rewritten. Okay. And he and and, and he always ran it by us, you know, I mean, he ran it by me. And that was he was classy like that, you know, Mm. Um, anybody. He had a, you know, he had a big job to do because he had never directed before. And it was, you know, you're dealing with, you know, young actors who are not, you know, who are a little bit, you know, you know, do they remember their blocking? And, you know, does you know, I mean, I think he had, you know, he had a a lot to deal with. He had a cinematographer who barely spoke English, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) you know, so it was an it was an experience. And um, I thought it came out, uh, you know, I mean, the script really got a lot of great coverage and people really like there was a lot of interest in the script it read really tense i'm not sure how how tense the movie was but because i mean i saw it a little differently than it you know and it's very hard to do that it it it, it's really hard to be anywhere subjective on something that you've written has then gone through a filter of someone else. yes of course. It, you know, it's a great point it's just it's hard i mean i'm not you know and I, I and i'm going to get into that on rad because that's important to me because of i mean we can segue to that now yeah, please 315 was an incredible experience um meeting and sitting with walter hill i was officially a produced writer that's huge it yeah. was amazing right um you know had already had the gig at warner's but i mean now you know so you know they had already options but you know it's different it's different yes i mean much more money from baby bucks than 315 10 times the money it was that was the bidding war actually between 20th century fox and 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 warners wow. and they ended up paying a lot of money for baby bucks because it was that it was that, i mean it was yeah it was such a yeah. mark rosenberg wanted it because of that scene i yeah. think and so, I, but it's different. So I had like six months of being like, "Oh, I, you know, oh, I got a deal at Warner Brothers. And I finally, Top you know, the world. Yeah, I'm twenty, mm-hmm. twenty-three, mm-hmm. twenty-four years old. You know, whatever, whatever you're doing." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." You know, and then Three Fifteen gets made, which I was confident it would get made. It was just there was so much, so many, so many people circling. Yeah, there was a guy named Bruce Cone Curtis. I'm sure you, that name rings a bell. He was you know, very interested in, and, and then Dennis Brody, who was the guy who actually really pushed it through with, um, I guess, I can't remember the name of the company, Dakota or something like okay. that, which Sandy did. And that was
1: 3.15. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television, we cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Binge TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify,
0: or wherever else you may find your podcast. His name is Crew. Hey,
3: good looking. BMX is his world. Rad is his way of life. The world would be a lot better off without no. yes. We're here for the biggest and most important bicycle
2: motocross event ever held. track.
1: This is a very important race.
2: race. The very finest riders in the country are here riding for some $100,000.
1: track in this town. They've uh, got to be kidding. This is a joke. I huh? really think I can get this one. I think I've got a chance.
3: I don't want to hear any more about it.
1: Everyone's on his case. Get that.
0: The
3: paperboy thinks he's a pro. He's nothing next to Bart Taylor.
0: He's got the style. There's something about the way you ride it's so naturally. And he's going to prove it. I've never
3: seen such raw determination and talent in one kid.
0: Against the factory hotshots. Looks like the Lofa Yoko's gonna race after all. It's gonna take a miracle to beat this guy. Against the big money fixers. All you have to do is take out that kid. Against impossible odds. you
1: I'm scared now? This guy doesn't even stand a chance. Yeah, yeah.
0: He's going for it all.
2: Rad. Rad came up because I was driving home. I lived in Hollywood. I lived in Robert Levy's uh, guest house up in Sunset Plaza, and I-, I was coming home from Venice, and I was saw these kids on BMX bikes. Now, I'm like probably 23, 24 at the time. I'm a lot older than them, and I see these guys just fly <laughs> seriously, and I'm like, so I stopped my car. I don't know what it is. I don't have any agenda in mind, right? But I stop my car and I go and I talk to these guys. They want nothing to do with me, really. They're just, oh, well, I don't know. We're just, you know, we're just... You know we're just
0: hitting
2: air now and uh, you know it's kind of like the, get know, away well, from us know, weird
0: 24 year old guy right exactly
2: yeah. i don't know what i don't know what kid here yeah. means i don't know what any but it looked just like nothing i had seen these kids i i mean i was a stingray rider, you know so i mean i loved bicycle oh, nice. and, and and as you guys talked about you know the one thing i want i love what you guys said and it's true and in my pitch for for other stuff is that I think one of the enduring things about rad is the bicycle thing, because bicycles to, to many, to most people are a seminal moment. The first time you ride a bike and you're actually doing it without a parent or without training wheels, you have found freedom that you hadn't experienced before. Totally. Good point. It's a seminal moment in people's lives. And I, I think that there's a part of rad that represents that and that, you know, good or bad, the movie, you know, that is, I think it's a trigger and, um, uh, you know, and other bicycle movies as well, you know, but I think with Rad, it had, it actually plays to that. I am um, i can't tell you that that's, that was any kind of a fuel behind it, but it, you know, in retrospect, I, I think it's you know it's it's such a big moment. I remember I grew up in New York, as I said, and moved to California not when I was maybe ten years old, and so I didn't really ride a bike until then.
1: Mm, okay, it's
2: very hard to ride bikes in New sure. York as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And, yeah, so I mean, I, I I remember that first moment when. I was able to go on a two wheeler, you know, and that was a great moment. And I think that that's really, you know, that that is. And I love that you guys brought that up. You know, I actually, you know, I, I in your uh, in the John Farnham episode, um, you, you know, you guys recognize that, and that was, you know, I love that. that but you, you I that. think
0: you said that we got some things wrong, or we omitted some key things. Oh
1: sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Please enlighten us.
1: Behind the curtain, Sam had uh, reached out to us and he's like, when we were talking about having you on the show, you're like, yeah, I want to come on because I want to talk about some things you mentioned <laughs> in that episode. I'm like, let's do it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay.
2: All right. So we're only start with Justin. Okay.
0: Well, <laughs> like named him out. Oh, this is great.
2: I, I oh, I have a whole list.
0: Oh, let's fire away. So
2: first, first is a cult movie. Let me tell you what uh, Wikipedia calls a cult movie is as commonly referred to as a cult classic as a film that has acquired a cult following cult films are known for their dedicated passionate fan base which forms an elaborate subculture members of which engage repeated viewings dialogue quoting okay so you said it's not quite a cult movie but this says it is
0: well okay so so elaborate on that though because
2: because it's a subculture it's the bmx culture it's you know it, you know and it's passed on and you do you guys know it was released in theaters in october in, in in this past october did you guys hear about that yes right? yes you know it did it did four hundred thousand dollars oh it was it insane. insane
1: yeah yep. yes
2: i mean and i bill and i went together to a theater i mean people are just you know they're just you know they, they know all the lines to the movies i mean it's a i don't see how you can't call it a cult movie that's what i that's a cult classic because this defines it because I guarantee you that a lot of people Went out and bought BMX bikes because of Rad. Once it hit the video store, yes, absolutely.
0: I'm trying to recall exactly what what we had talked about. Where, was it the? De-
2: Believe me, you know, I'm just trying Well, what, but it. was <laughs> it the
0: definition of a cult movie? Yeah, you said it's not quite
2: a. It's not quite a cult movie. He goes, I guess it, you were like you kind of said that. Okay, you know, and so anyway, I'm trying to remember what
0: to. you know my my contextualizing of it because yeah, you know, certainly has yeah. it lived on in in cult status. Absolutely.
2: It's fine. <laughs> I'm just,
0: I mean, you know. No, I'm
2: not. I mean, I just, you know, it was like, it was like, okay, let me chill. let me tell them. Look at this. Yeah, yeah I
1: appreciate. It. This is our to... version of two dollars six questions on us. I guess. <laughs>
2: um, so the elevator pitch, Zach. Right. It took you a long time to get to. <laughs> Let me tell you what the elevator pitch to to Rad. This is amazing. Is. It, I mean, it took you a long time. To I know it a, did.
1: It always takes me a long uh, time to get to everything.
2: It's Rocky on a bike. Okay. Okay. I mean, fine. What more? What mm. more do you have to say? Mine. You know. That's good. I mean, it's just you know, it's Rocky I, on a bike. I liked Come mine. On. I like my pitch. All yeah, right. I mean, gee will. That's that's why okay. that's why I was
1: a teacher for crying out loud. I wasn't in the right, film well, business.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to. You know, you need 40 minutes to go
1: into a class. Trust me, my son says say, I talk too much right. sometimes. All teachers do, right? <laughs> this is amazing. Clearly, like the sound of my own voice. Like...
2: <laughs> so, so, um, Bill's wardrobe. Yeah, yes.
1: come on. The, okay, yes. please. Bill's
2: brown. wardrobe. I have no defense. Yes. Okay. I have okay. nothing to say Right, about you it. didn't
0: write that in, I mean, only than, wears brown. You
2: know, other than we were up in Canada and we had to use Canadian kind of, um, you know, and, and why I've noticed, you know, I have traveled the world a little bit making movies yeah. and stuff, and I've noticed that, you know, a lot of foreign countries have their own interpretation of what hip America is.
1: Brown you know? has never so, been hip. I, I,
2: I, well, I mean, it depends. I hope. guess it depends. You know, we were up in Calgary, Canada. It's a very conservative, you know, town. It's a you know,
3: it's,
0: mm-hmm.
2: a, it's a it's a it's a it's basically the old west. And, you know, I don't know, but, you know, that was it. Also, Hal Needham wasn't exactly, you know, an example. I love Hal Needham. Nothing will ever match that experience for me to working with Hal Needham. He's a terrific guy. He was a wonderful, you know, and he, you know, he made the movie and he didn't, wasn't sure how he was going to ever make this movie. The first thing he said to me when I pitched it to him Well, because I got Robert Levy made, I made him take me in to see Hal Needham. I go, and he goes, you know, I just, I I blow up shit. I drive, they get fast cars. I don't know shit about bicycles. So so I said, will you come to um, Griffith Park and look at this exhibition that they're having on Saturday? Okay, he said. And so he goes, we all go, Robert and I and Hal go, and he watches what I had seen on, you know, on 20th. 23rd and Olympic, or wherever I was yeah. when I saw those kids. And he looks and he, he just nods his head. This is great, right? This, I can, I can do this, right? He can, you know, so we're never going to basically have to come up with a story, which is where I really wanted to get to about the story because
1: I just want to, I just want to say one quick thing because it just popped in my head because we've never done this before. We've never, uh, kind of revisited an episode in a way with someone, a part of the film. And like you oh, okay. are, and this is beautiful. I love this. Um, but I'm realizing now because he's dressed in like that taupe brown throughout the whole thing in Megaforce, Most of the, the, the good guys, right. Megaforce, They're in like kind of brownish, uh, spandex. So maybe Hal has this thing. Mm. Maybe he told his costume designer. I like the color Brown. Just Only do brown. Yeah.
0: Dull Brown. Yeah.
1: I'm speculating, yeah, of course.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Right. I mean, I can also tell you that, like, there was a lot of things. Like, the movie, like, we found another guy to play crew, and it was Robert Downey Jr., and he wanted to do the movie, and I mean, he had just done Weird Science, and we were able to go see Universal Let Us See a Piece, and we thought. And Hal just didn't connect with him. Mm. And he really loved Bill for the role, and that was, and I think the movie came out to be what it is today because of how, and I don't think you can push a guy too far, even though he was very, he was very open to relying on my youth to be, you know, to inform him and help him, you know, um, he didn't like the fact that Downey was wearing an earring
0: <laughs> interesting
2: <laughs> you know yeah. he, I mean he was a very he was, conservative oh, listen, it was it was the Reagan years it was yeah. all that I'm sure he was you know his cow walking around with a big American nothing wrong you know yeah right. you know he needed to do the movie you know his what he believed in and that kind of and I think that was one thing that there was a conflict but you know hmm. also like talking about the SATs and that whole thing right yes so the original script let me let oh, me tell right, you it pulls right, out
0: right, right, was right.
2: about a kid who was going to graduate high school was very poor lived with a drunken old mother um who wasn't very nice not, not very loving and he was going gra- to graduate high school and he didn't want to because he didn't he, was, he feared going off mm. into the world which, I, which is something I related yes. to I was the same way and I think a lot of people did totally and that was this that was the that was the first draft. I wrote the first draft in well I Jeffrey came on after I wrote the that's another thing I want to get to the the which I think you guys just totally missed is the is how important and integral the um paper route is but anyway we'll get to that
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it
2: um uh yeah this is this is the one because that's the favorite sequence my favorite sequence in the movie and i i because I think it sets it up you know in such a way that the, it's the only thing that could have set up the movie to make it work not, not saying you guys don't have points but in the world of in movie world mm. it really Our points are just
0: shitty takes, i understand
2: right. it's just right you know <laughs> how else is it like you know you said this guy's not going to be, he's not a trained writer. Right. Okay. Well, right. Well, neither was Rudy or some of those other, right, you know, guys. And, and they, they were all horrible at what they did. And Rocky was a club fighter, basically a paper boy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, good point. So, anyway, point. so anyway, that's another thing. But, but so the original scene, there was no SATs. That wasn't ever going to be a part of it. That was not in my mind, right. not in the original 94 right. page script that, you know, that 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 i wrote and that got greenlit okay it was about it was basically he was a rebel he was a rebel but he was a fun rebel there wasn't a dance sequence in that there wasn't um it was more it was a little harder edged. his 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 duels with the cop were much more serious you know the cop was looking to put him away Mm -hmm. and 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 that was you know and it was it was you know it it was it was Scene for scene, it was similar, but it was, the character was different and I was made, we were just forced to just change the whole thing, you know, to, to, you know, to this thing when, and, and, and as you guys point out, it makes no sense. You can take the SATs anytime.
3: Isn't this the day you're supposed to make up your SATs? I know
2: mom, but,
3: but what? You always wanted to go to college. That's been the plan.
1: This is a very important race. Would you look at the stakes here? Besides, I really think I can get this one. I think I've got a chance. You have a chance with an education. I know about that, Mom. But Dad always told me, when your gut talks to you, you listen. Oh, Christopher,
3: that won't wash with me. Just because he's dead doesn't mean anything has changed.
1: I know, Mother. But I don't want to hear any more about it.
0: I bet Dad would understood.
1: Oh, shit.
2: And I know that when Jack Schwartzman sort of kind of came to me and said, this is where the way it's going to be. Mm. I mean, it was like, do I fight it or do I just go along yeah. with it?
0: Sure. Yeah. 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 You got to pick your battles. Yeah. I
2: mean, I, you know, what do you do? And, you know, and I kind of knew that just knowing who Hal was and Robert Levy and I were basically on the same page and he had a lot to say, but you know, Jack and Talia were the producers and the the, the financers, and you know, the buck stops there, and also you know, I was sure Hal was going to take their side. You know, there's yeah. no doubt about it, because that's Hal's sensibility, was to make a very sweet, you know, I wasn't, I didn't set out to make a sweet movie, to be honest. Mm, I'll be honest yeah. with it. It was, I set out to make a movie, a gritty kind of, not as gritty as like 315 gritty, yeah, but to make a movie That was, you know, that I I wanted it to be have a family appeal, but I wanted that. I it was very important to me that this kid had was really conflicted about moving on in life. I thought that was going to be really, you know, something that that kids of that age were going to plug into. And it was, you know, and I was I was very tuned into that. And I just and I, you know, I didn't really fight for it, you know, and whatever it's probably if it had been, it would have just gone on the wayside, it It wouldn't have mattered, yeah. It would have yeah. been another teen angst movie you know where whereas this became something that you know was like you know so you know i mean who am i to know but i'm just just like you, you guys were totally right about that and also fitting in i mean there was always going to be the guy the you know the 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 boss the duke best character the the boss but it, that was also mm, that was played way down mm, mm-hmm. and it was really, there was a, a subplot between the, the Ray Walston character and, and him where they had been partners and they split up and there was a feud between them. And that's oh, a, okay. So like that's, that, that doesn't even play.
0: Anymore, right.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. You know, in the movie, and unfortunately, because it was, there was some solid foundation for that of, of why they're giving each other the finger and all that stuff, you know I mean? You know, <laughs> and, and, and have those lines of right. how, how Ray Walston really, you know, he take he says you know yeah this kid is knocking my coffee over every day he's doing this but god he has heart yeah. you know and that's kind of like you know sh- like someone showing belief in this kid you know and that is very karate kiddish, kid right and that was the original script and that was my that was the story and what can you do you know I, again it might not have it might not have played the way it came out and it didn't do well. I mean it tanked, you know, in the box office.
1: But I think there's you, you made a good point about uh, you know, the changes being made and what has kept it uh, maybe to this day, clearly to this day, there's a love for rad.
2: Absolutely, I'm not. I won't, I'm not going to say I was right. It was just you know, you know, someone. You know, it was Robert Levy has always said to me because I've worked with him now many times, and he's he's very smart and he's a good producer. And he's always says to me, no one cares what you like. No one cares what Sam Bernard likes. What they care about is what works mm. for a story. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's very true. And that's that's why I approach writing as a craft as opposed to an art. You know, it's not, it's, you know, it's a craft. And it's a, a craft means that there's a definite, you know, there are elements to it. And, you know, I, I would never get beyond a, you know, a formula writer, like writing payback was like a real challenge to me because it was like, I love the genre. I mean, my favorite genre was film noir.
0: You ever dream about
3: getting rich? Every man has at least one chance. Oscar Bonsetter is on a search in a place without hope. I think of this as a puzzle, Bonsetter. We both know something. Both want something. He learned where a fortune in cash had been buried years ago. Let me know when you're ready to talk. Now, Oscar Bonsetter is out to settle the score. You running away from home? I don't think so. Bet you out. He's He's come to the spot.
1: Just you and he run this place?
3: Yeah. And your husband too? That holds the key to his future. Are you looking for something special?
0: Yeah, hey, where's the money? I'm getting close, man. I'll have it in a couple days.
3: But in his quest for riches, he found something more desirable than
0: money. Go get yourself packed and we'll take you away from here.
3: I have to stay and take
0: care of him. I do You don't know nothing. And now,
3: he's determined to have it all. But Oscar Bondsetter is about to discover that everyone shares his desires. The rose is mine. Everyone wants his secret. If he got the goddamn money, would you leave him? Mac, we never should have trusted you, Oscar. And no one, you ever
2: see 200 grand
3: before? can be trusted. See Thomas Howell, Joe Severance.
2: Payback. that took years to write uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, from you know what year i mean i started it r- probably a little bit after rad and oh, wow. I didn't get it made for three or four years you know and but you know did draft after draft after draft after draft i remember at one point i had a manager who said You know, you've written the sheen. You've you've polished the sheen right off this script because I kept and finally actually went back to an earlier draft
0: and (laughs) got it
2: set up. You know, Um, but that was the thing is like I, you know, that it's a craft and you know, you're also not writing a movie. You're writing a screenplay. It's a different animal, and the screenplay gets put in the hands of a director, and um, that was how, and you know, we had, yeah. it was the most fun I've ever had making a movie. It was, you can imagine how yeah. much fun making that movie was. It was so much fun. Just, and I'm, I'm sure Bill attest, will attest to that in anyone where we just had the time of our lives. It was just so much fun.
0: I was gonna say, this is just so illuminating. And I really appreciate that, you know, that you're, you're basically taking what we've said and, and, you know, reinforcing or not. And I love that
2: okay so the other thing I, I have to correct because it wouldn't be it wouldn't be fair is is hal did not shoot the opening or the end credits
0: oh. mm, okay
2: that was that was shot by john Schwartz. oh wow who was of course turned into be one of the biggest cinematographers and who's jack's son the producer and john john was a big ally of mine mm. like john completely agreed with my first script you know and like we would always go into Jack and say, hey, Jack, this is wrong. We can't change this. You know, John was my ally, you know, but he shot both those both that that stuff. And that actually that, you know, and Hal Needham actually said this is, looks better than anything I can do. I mean, he was very, That's you know, awesome. very complimentary towards it. And, and so, yeah, I just, you know, I know that you guys mentioned that. And um, I agree the Thunder in the Heart was the best song. And I love John Farnham. He was a—he was such a trooper. He came to L.A. for like three days, and, and and I spent time with him while he was recording these songs. And and, and you know, you know, he was kind of a perfectionist and making sure you know his voice had to be just right. And you know, he liked to go in and diddle with the. You know himself, and you know with with, with levels, and you know, and those were great, and those were great songs. You know, I'm both of them. I would agree with it. I, I thought "Thunder" you know, is a great. It was my favorite song of the movie.
1: Well, I, I'm a little biased, I suppose, because I live pretty close to the beach, and we're down at the beach all the time, and I see a lot of, especially on the weekends, um, groups of BMX bicyclists, yeah. not just kids, but adults as well. And, sure. and, you know, one, one said, I think it said rad crew and, uh, and, hmm. and so I'm a little biased to the thinking that, you know, it's such a big part of our culture, but you talking about, you know, that, that moment where kids get on a bike and, and realize that they can do this on their own, that freedom, This was, this was a yes. lightning in a bottle movie and there's not yes. many other, you know, other movies have come out that have a uh, bicycle bicycles in them and but this is right. very specific to this you know kind of coming i think of that
2: age. addresses it without again it wasn't it wasn't the intention yeah i wish it was you know but i think i think that it it it, it just addressed it in, in in just the natural storytelling of a guy wanting you know being attached to his bicycle and that being his future so i think that you know the you know that yeah. that that's where it came from um and it's just it's just you know it is true i mean by you know and you look at the electric bike revolution you know i mean that's just it's just continuing bicycles will always be there they will probably become the preferred mode of traveling, I mean, of transportation in many cases you know they're very much last mile forms of transportation that cities have set up right you know yeah when when there's no parking in an area they they find parking then they (laughs) provide electric bikes for the last mile you know i mean that's you know you know whatever is left that's been a thing you know i'm not saying rad had anything to do with that but i think what rad touched that nerve i think and i think that's a big reason why it came out also the fact that kids just were able as opposed to like like you know how are you going to go do that yeah you can go play a pickup football game but kids could also go out and try to be crew Jones.
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: you know, they could they, they you know, all you needed was a bicycle and a half pipe or a you know, piece of plywood. Mm-hmm. And I think that also had a lot to do with it. Just, they could be crew Jones, you know, and, and his, paper out. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I was, whatever, just, you know. it
1: just popped in my head too thinking about, cause I, obviously, you know, we have, uh, we love music and we love playing music to things right. and you can't, I mean, I guess you could play music in your earbuds uh, playing baseball or football or basketball or whatever, but when you're on your yeah. bike and you're doing your own thing and you've got your music on, it's like you're, own, you're in your own world and then there's something very sacred so, so, about that.
2: Right, so I wrote, the, by, I, I wrote the, um, the paper route to listening and I listened to this song every time I would sit down it probably took me two or three days to write that and it was to Jump by Van Halen. When we first put the temp track in, we used mm-hmm. that, you know, and it was so great. I hated, I hated the score to the movie, but whatever, you know, <laughs> I, just, I fought it like crazy. You get crazy, attached, but it
0: was, yeah. yeah. I hated yeah.
2: it. I just hated, I mean, you no.
0: Know. No, oh, you're just like, I just hated it regardless. It wasn't yeah. even like you want to jump and yeah.
2: yeah. Right. I love yeah. jump. I just, but the score... And and then when the guy came said, "Oh, I'm going to do a rock and score. Well, it's not very rocking if you ask me, (laughs) but I do want to, I do want to, I do want to straighten out one. (laughs) So there are certain things you want to attach to other popular, uh, what's going on, you know, current popular things that are going on. Right. So, and then they might not have anything to do with each other, but if you're smart and greedy and you want your and you want success and you want to you will find a way to make some association. so you guys are music guys there was a very popular song out right around when rad right before rad came out that had christian in the title as in sister christian sister christian night Ranger Sister Christian, and that is why she was named. You guys were going on, who is this Christian? Why is she named Christian? Well, you know, I don't know any girls named Christian. Well, I knew one girl, and that was Sister Christian, <laughs> and that was my choice to name her. Got Christian it. For okay. For that reason, because that was because we we thought well, that's it's it was a huge song, right? Yeah. yeah totally.
0: Just, you know, Very and we were never going to get yep.
2: to be able to do it, right? But we wanted that association. As, you know it's a flyer why not yeah. right you know she's christian and let's just you know let's see if we can somehow associate that with you know that's interesting song. i love yeah. that there you go okay that's the answer to that one <laughs> i'm totally okay with that I'm yeah totally okay with that. yeah
3: sister christian all oh, the time has come and you know that you're the only one to say
1: okay we could have you on all day, and, and we definitely would have you back for sure to talk more about movies and some yeah, of your other projects. Would love that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be
2: great. I, I love you guys. This was fun. Thank you,
0: Sam. I can
1: do it. I can talk to you guys
2: all day. I mean, you know, we have the same interest and it's like you know, love having you it's on. Fun stuff yeah it was, this, was, this was great thank you so much and all the you know all the all the back and forth it's, it was really fun um the other the only other note was yeah i agree with that you know i thought i longest charge my favorite but Reynolds yeah. there
0: you go <laughs> perfect way to end it
1: okay thanks guys thanks sam so much i really appreciate it take care bye-bye thank you goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even
0: in the 80s. Alright, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it.
1: Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is a five-star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really...